0: Welcome to the Mortise and Tenon Magazine podcast, where we're celebrating historic furniture making. This is episode number 27. I'm Mike Updegraff. And I'm Joshua Klein. We're standing in the shop right now. Uh, we're going to have an interesting format for this podcast where we are uh, walking around outside. Uh, but before we leave the shop, uh, let's get caught up on the news around here. What's going on?
1: Uh, well, basically... Uh, the primary thing, the primary news is just that we are uh, republishing. We're doing a republication, a hardbound book version of our first three issues of Mortis and Tenon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they've been out of print for a while. And we, c- we continue to get emails from people saying, I just want a copy of issue one. I, I don't care. I'm not a collector. I don't need the actual, you know, yeah, original I just want to read it. I just want to read the article. Yeah. Uh, so we said, okay, all right, let's figure out how to, you know, see if we can get this stuff back in people's hands. So we're doing a hardbound uh, republication of the first three issues, and we're creatively titling it "The, the first, first, three <laughs> first Three Issues." The first three issues. That's <laughs> um, a
0: knock it out of the park title. Yeah.
1: So, um, but yeah, so it's great. It's going to be. It's it's over 450 pages. I think it's going to be like 468 or something like that. Yep. When all is the design is, like, finalized. Um, but we're le- I'm just finishing up the layout of everything now. Um, so, yeah, we're excited about that. Uh, people have been excited to be able to read these articles. Lots of really cool stuff that we have not been able to provide for people.
0: Yeah. And, so. and there's more to it than just, you know, it's not just a republication. Uh, we have extra content in there, kind of uh, stuff that happened in the life of the magazine through those first three issues and, uh, raising the frame that we're in now. Uh, we talk about packing parties, uh, just there, different photos in there. There's four, uh, four new essays, um, all kinds of extra stuff, plus a full index of the first three issues. Yeah. So, uh, that will be, I think just a valuable thing to have as a reference. So, uh, we are, very glad that this is coming together and we're uh, excited to be able to offer this to people uh, who have wanted to read issue one for a long time, but haven't had
1: the opportunity. Yeah. So if you're looking to, to pre-order that, um, you can hop on our website and do that now. Um, it's going to the printer real soon and uh, expected delivery is like August sometime. So make sure you order a copy of that book and get all the, the juicy background and right. behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah so yeah cool well we wanted to take you for a walk uh we're gonna walk through the property i uh i own 11 acres of uh woods and i got a pond and some fields and so we thought we would kind of take a tour um the mnt headquarters is is based on my property so we're just going to kind of take a little tour around i also have some farm animals i want to introduce you to uh so Yeah, there's a lot going on here, so if you want to come for a walk with us, we will have you along. Um, I'm just going to head out of the shop here. Oh, yeah. Our front door, our temporary front door.
0: (laughs) Yeah, our temporary permanent front door.
1: Yeah, it's it's only like, what, three... Three years. Maybe four years old. I mean,
0: temporary is temporary until it's permanent, so... Right. We're, but we're, we're going well.
1: We're gonna get it. Yeah, yeah,
0: totally. Uh, so we're walking towards the woodshed here. Uh, to our right is the uh, CSF blacksmith shop. And uh, a lot of you will remember from the film, another work is possible and also from the book That Project from 2019. Uh, just a super amazing project. Uh, another structure immediately next to us is our timber framed outhouse. Which again was an amazing project, very memorable, uh, and we've we've gotten a lot of you know good solid use out of that structure. So uh, it's a good good yeah. building. Keeps yeah, everybody needs an outhouse. Yeah.
1: Uh, so but, what do we got going? Yeah, on here? so we have um, ne- right next to the outhouse, we have um, a big pile of uh, oak logs. Some have uh, we have one solid log that has a big you know, knot in the middle, but we have a, a nice clear log that's already been split in half and it's been-
0: This is like 15 feet long.
1: Yeah, 15 feet long, and the diameter of the tree was, you know, what, 18, 20 inches?
0: Yeah, I think at, it at, maxed at out at like
1: 20 end. some odd yeah. inches. So it's a big oak log that we've uh, split up into pieces um, because we intend in the near future, somewhat yeah. near future, to uh, build a reproduction of the the domini workbench so it's sort of a a french style bench um but it's a particular bench uh, right. from the domini family uh in long island new york uh, an 18th century family of woodworkers and their their bench survives at the Winterthur museum and i was able to study it and so we're hoping to reproduce that bench um, it's going to be built out of red oak as the original and we're going to try to build it exactly the way they did it. Uh, it's got some interesting, interesting features. Yeah,
0: so it'll end up being, um, what, 12 feet long, the yep. top? So yep. the, the main work surface of the top will be about 12 feet long. It'll be 5 inches thick or so?
1: Yeah, I have to look <clears throat> at the exact dimensions, but it's something like that.
0: Uh, so it'll be a, a massive top, and that will go in the shop uh, along the, let's see, east wall. Um, that'll be pretty much the main bench the in the wall. shop. West wall. Yep. Yeah, that's right. I'm turning around and backwards. Uh, the west wall. And that'll be pretty much, as I said, the main bench in the shop. Um, certainly will occupy your
1: attention. I don't know. <laughs> so I live on a dead end road. And when I, when I bought this property, I thought, oh, that's going to be so great. It's this dead end road that it be so quiet and nothing. I don't know what the heck my neighbors do, but it's like, all. <laughs> there's a lot of people back in there, all day long and these big trucks massive trucks <clears throat> up and down the road but uh I, I grew up in a city i didn't grow up rurally and so i assumed naively that you know when you move into a rural area it's going to be nice and quiet and peaceful and you know so whatever and it's not it's like <laughs> it's like the, these dead-end roads are full of big trucks atvs are everywhere they're up and down through the back of my property and then you know a bunch of my neighbors are excited about you know shooting ranges and all that kind of stuff so it's a super noisy area so it's funny it's actually kind of true with the wildlife as well that you know the birds and uh the wild ducks coming through and everything is just so noisy in nature yeah it is (laughs) in rural areas so uh you'll hear some of that background noise actually i think my kids have some friends coming over, so you'll hear some of that wildness as well. Yeah. But, yeah. So, yeah, stay tuned for that workbench build. Um, it's going to be pretty fun to do. As, I mean, as I think you know, is we don't use machines in our woodworking, so uh, it's going to be a hand tool only build, uh, which is going to be great. adzes yeah. and axes and, and yeah, the, way, the, you should, the, the way you should build a workbench. Yeah. <laughs>
0: for the arriving of that log we used a car jack uh, <laughs> uh which maxed out with splitting that i mean it was the the jack from my uh Honda civic so apparently the splitting of that log was more weight than lifting up a car uh which, because of that big knot yeah like,
1: there was a, there there's a knot like down at the end and it would not let go
0: <clears throat> yeah so i'm like i'm gonna grab my little my little uh scissors jack and shove it in there and it it Pried it open, but it also bent the jack, so. <laughs> <coughs> Pretty yeah. funny. Yeah.
1: So, uh, yeah, uh, back over here, a little bit further down, we have our temporary, you know, everything's temporary around here. Yeah. Our temporary woodshed. Um, I, I purchased a, a sort of a lifetime lumber collection from a, a local furniture maker who, or from his estate, I should say. We know when he passed away. And so we have all this lumber stacked up, and we kind of built a, a tarp shed around it. Um, and so the plan is to be uh, extending off of the blacksmith shop to have a, a permanent woodshed there. Um, but as it is right now, it's safely stacked, but it's just kind of stacked all up and covered. Um, and the squirrels love it. Yeah, they do. Yep. <laughs> but, but, um, but it works good to keep everything protected. So we just have to replace the the plastic walls yeah, a little every, bit. Every now and then. Every now and then. Um, but we'll see. I don't know what our schedule is gonna be, but uh very shortly we hope to get a nice functioning woodshed with some vertical storage to be able to stand some boards up and yep. kinda of, I mean, right now it's somewhat organized, but not really. We have yeah, a bunch of we know of,
0: where stuff is, it's just a matter of, you know getting to it
1: yeah it might take us three hours to unstack the top (coughs) quarter of the (laughs) yeah pile or whatever it's a big pile yeah so it's all it's all furniture grade hardwood and stuff like that totally dry um but it's not sorted at all so it'll be really great to have that sorted and we can quickly access whatever we need right now we're basically building things that are you know, that have materials that are accessible.
0: <laughs> right. That's kind of how we're basing our projects. Is it like, oh, can we get to that? Well, no. Well, okay, then let's not do it. So, um, you know what else I'm noticing? The What's black that? flies are out. The black flies. They have emerged. It's basically May. Like the black fly season is the month of May. And that is when they come out for blood. Uh, black flies breed in running water. And so your little stream, I'm sure, is... The focal point, but they come out and they just they just love these like cool cool mornings and stuff like that. They just love to attack and fly in your eye or in your mouth, as I just did. I swallowed a black fly, so I'm kind of half-choking right at the moment.
1: Is that second uh, breakfast?
0: Yeah, oh, it's free protein. It's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they can dr- drive you right nuts. Uh, they aim for the ears, and it seems like uh, there's no bug repellent that is effective against them. They just get more excited uh, when you you hose yourself down with the nastiest of chemicals and they're like, ooh, good, (laughs) tasty. So uh, they're out, but if we walk, they will leave us alone. So let's do that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Let's get going. Yeah. So uh, yeah, walking uh, away from the the road headed toward the woods here, we have the, the blacksmith shop that Carpenters Without Borders built for us in 2019. Um, right now it just has sheathing on the outside um, and tar paper on the roof on top of the sheathing. Um, but the inside here, we have a, a bunch of stuff kind of staged and stacked for storage. Um, but we're, this building is still very much under construction. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a stack of... Um, of very thick cedar shingles that we're going to be putting on the roof soon. Yeah. Um, but uh, until that happens, we're kind of it feels very yeah uh, temporary, like a storage building.
0: <laughs> yeah. These are these are sawn. They're basically sawn sawn shakes, right? Is yeah. that what you call it? So they're like uh, almost an inch thick at the the butt yeah. end, maybe three quarters or something. Yeah, something like that. Um, <clears throat> but they're these big, massive shingles. Uh, they'll be a really beautiful roof for this building. Yeah. Um, you want to go that way or you want to go up? Let's go this way. Okay. So we're, we're walking off the floored half of the downstairs of the blacksmith shop, uh, into the actual smithy side. Uh, so we have a dirt box forge with a blower here. Mm -hmm. You want to crank it?
1: Yep. Oh yeah. That's not a good sound. That very,
0: yeah. That thing purrs like a kitten. (laughs) Uh, So... And then hacks it. (coughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, The blower is a hand crank blower, and it's one of the earlier hand crank blowers that does not have bearings. It has bushings. Uh, So those are not nearly as smooth as bearings, and there's a good bit of slop in it, as as we can see uh, as I'm wiggling the handle. But it works. It does the job for now. Um, We have a big uh, six-foot... Uh, bellows that we're going to be mounting overhead in here yep. uh, and that will serve really well uh, for generating some, some uh, air movement yep. up through the firebox here. Um, we've got uh, a bench with tools, all kinds of uh, different tongs and there's a hacksaw and uh, <clears throat> what else we got here? Scrap metal.
1: Lots and lots of scrap metal. In fact, over there.
0: Oh, yes. Those are my my old leaf springs. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I had a a vehicle that I have been driving regularly. It's a uh, Nissan Xterra, which I bought for a bargain price last winter. Uh, But it had a cracked rear leaf spring. And so we swapped those out. And that is some good tool steel. So, uh, I don't know. That's quite a few Plain irons, or it's just about the right width. That's mm-hmm. like two inch yeah. stock. that's perfect. It's a little, little thick, it's but a little thick. Uh, you know the ends taper out. So
1: maybe that's where we cut the the uh, iron stock from. Yeah. So yeah, lots of potential here. Yeah. lots of good projects. We never run out of ideas. We never run out of stuff. Oh, it, like right now, the um, tripping over a pile of rocks here that we harvested from my pond, the edge of my pond. To be able to fill in the foundation of the smithy. Um, so, uh, my oldest boy was doing that for me, helping to haul rocks up, and we've been stacking them. So, yeah, we still have uh, that foundation to do to, to fill in. I and should eventually,
0: say. we're gonna put a rammed earth floor, floor in there, right? Yep. Just fill it in and yep. pound it.
1: So, yeah, a dirt floor is really good for a blacksmith shop. Um, although, historically, it was very common to have. Uh, like pine like plank floors yeah i think today a Which lot of us are
0: unique yeah i mean in, in our minds it's like really a wooden floor and a blacksmith, and a
1: blacksmith shop. shop that seems kind of risky uh but that that was really standard um however uh it's just one more thing to to do and i i like the security the safety of having the um the wooden i'm sorry the the dirt floor to, if something were to fall uh, hit the ground i'm not worried about it catching fire right so.
0: Yeah, I think blacksmith shops—you
1: know—a disproportionate number of them did
0: catch fire at times. Or, yeah. And uh,
1: but there's historic and, precedent. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's a very fine <laughs> tradition of burning your shop to the ground that we will try and avoid. Yeah. Uh, so we're down uh, in the little meadow below the b- blacksmith shop right now, uh, standing next to one of the hewing stations for the CSF project. Uh, these are all still here. This one. It's like, you know, frozen in time. Yep. <clears throat> There's a, a log. I think that was a rafter, right? That was rejected yep. for some reason. Uh, it's sitting on the bunks. Uh, it's had a flat hewed on it, and the tail uh, was hewn square, and for some reason it got rejected. You yeah, I don't know. It? We'd so have sad. to ask Louis mm-hmm. or something. What's wrong with it?
1: Uh, let's see.
0: Maybe it's too short. Maybe somebody
1: measured Yeah, it might be a, the wrong measurement or something. Uh. Yeah, I don't know. It looks almost complete. It looks fine. But it must have been the wrong measurement.
0: Yeah. But. Uh, but now we're we're walking past the pit saw trestle, which I'm impressed is still standing. <laughs> this is rigged up. <laughs> it's uh, basically two poles crossed and pegged together with red pine <laughs> pegs, which is why I'm impressed it's still standing. Uh, and then it's lashed together at the intersection of the, the two poles, and then there's a third pole coming in to support it, and then all the, the, the feet of the poles are all driven into the ground, and then there are additional stakes driven next to it to lock them in. <clears throat> and we had a, a cross piece rigged up between two trees next to it, and then for the project, we'd throw the logs up on there. Somebody would climb up on and that would be the top man, and then the pit man would be down below. Uh, and that the pit saw got a little bit of a workout for that
1: project. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There were several people using the pit saw for different aspects of it, particularly um, the the curved uh, braces, the the curved trees that were harvested for braces. They were ripped in half, some of them, so that the the, the two big crux and braces would be book matched. so you just, they'd look you know exactly symmetrical yeah uh so that was a good use for that but that red squirrel's yelling at you oh the red squirrel's yelling yeah. at me they're so cranky yeah i don't know what the deal is it's probably because
0: i throw pine
1: cones at them well what is that what it <laughs> is <laughs> well,
0: i'm just trying to feed them you know they love those
1: <laughs> oh wait we should we should go up this way yeah, Because this okay. is where it's dry. So down below um, the CSF site, the Carpenters Without Borders site, uh, we have, well, we're passing actually the little outdoor shower that we built for our workshops. Uh, uh, we have a little propane heater. We can heat the water and it runs from my well. And hey, it's still standing. It is still standing. It's great. It's, yeah. So uh, someday uh, we'll be able to have workshops again here and we'll have people able to Take showers outdoor. Yeah. That'd be great. All right. Uh, So coming through this area and crossing over my little stream, we're coming below my pond. um, And we did some some digging work in the pond uh, not too long ago and to kind of widen it and clear out some cattails. Uh, But we didn't just junk all the cattails. Before we did that, mike you want to talk about your cattail adventure yeah so um
0: in issue 10 i wrote about weaving cattail rush seats for chairs and uh, this pond was the source of the cattails and i i harvested from what do we figure like a six by six or something like that area which was just about perfect for uh, one chair and this pond is i don't know how long is this pond it's is that 100 feet yeah it might be and then maybe half that wide uh enough that, that's that's longer than 100 feet yeah it's it's a decent it sized little pond um but there there was enough cattail here for like you it like i'd say in a single year it's it's got to be you know enough to weave 100 chair seats or more <laughs> and then you know every year it produces Uh, More cattail. And we can see right now the cattails coming up at the bases. just noticed that. Some of them are uh, a foot tall already. (sighs) (laughs) But yeah, uh, last fall we did a lot of digging here and uh, clearing basically to um, allow more of an approach to the pond because the cattails along the edges of the pond are like 12 or 15 feet, you know, out from the shore. So you had to kind of hack your way down, or yeah. get out by the dock.
1: Yeah, you got to stay on those things. They're vigorous, powerful.
0: Yeah, yeah. Cattails are—they're—they're they're not invasive, obviously, because they are. Uh, this is their home turf, but they're aggressive, and they will <laughs> occupy a little wet area. And uh, the ducks are coming over to see what we're doing. This
1: is okay. This is the dry telling you about. Okay. So uh, my wife and I, we have. Handful of ducks. Oh, see, look, now he's turning around.
0: Yeah, he's like, You're talking about me.
1: <laughs> so in spring, uh, the drakes, the male ducks, they get real, you know, excited at springtime. And any other male around, they just want to take down,
0: attack. Yeah. A- yeah,
1: to attack. So it's so funny because every morning I do my animal chores and I'm walking, hauling buckets of water and stuff. And this drake, every time I turn my back, he runs up to me and it's like he's going to get me. And he, like, <laughs> Kind of bonks my ankle with his bill, <laughs> and either. he's all mad. So if we I'm walk like, by just...
0: and just pretend not to see him, he'll like he'll probably chase
1: us. Here, okay. let's let's go around this way, but don't. Oh, he just got a fish.
0: Are you serious? Really? Yeah.
1: Oh, Look at that! Wow!
0: Holy cow! That... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh
1: wait! <laughs> what
0: on earth? <laughs> I didn't realize they were like fishing ducks.
1: Wow! I don't know. Um. So yeah it's funny don't look at him because if yeah. you look at him he gets scared don't and he runs away contact. but if you just walk past he's probably going to attack us but its I always just think it's so funny because it's like what does he think he's going to do Yeah. like bite my head <laughs> I... he'll knock you down and. alright let's see if he follows us
0: okay I'm not looking back don't okay. look at him no. he doesn't care
1: No, he's intimidated. He has
0: a fish, he's excited.
1: Yep. Oh, okay, let's go go this way. So we're walking um, down below my house uh, through the woods here to go come up through by my chickens. Uh, We're not serious farmers here, but we're seriously addicted to farming, or at least homesteading. So we have... um, a menagerie of animals. We have chickens and ducks and goats and pigs and uh, one of our cats just had kittens and so What? And we homeschool. I'm recording a podcast right now. <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're uh, we have, I don't know, probably 35 chickens down here. Uh, just below... <laughs> <laughs> just below our garden um, and we rotate them with electric netting so they can be in a new area at a regular schedule. How are you doing buddy? Good. good. you have a
0: banana? you going to eat that? I
1: need it on the porch. You're going to eat okay. it on the porch? Okay. Um, so yeah it's good to have that that mix of creatures around. So when
0: are you guys going to officially get started with
1: stuff in the ground here? Well, that's part of our discussion. I mean, we have some stuff going. We have a greenhouse. We have two different greenhouses. One is a smaller one. Um, And we ate a huge salad last night full of awesome greens. So we have a lot of stuff going on here, including grass. Yes. (laughs) And the paths.
0: Yeah. The dandelions are coming up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, we're... We're, Julia and I we're, were talking about when all the planting is going to yeah. happen.
0: That's something I picked up from your uh, father-in-law who's got just about the most amazing green thumb uh, I've, I've ever seen is that he puts off planting quite late because <laughs> we would always, we'd be really gung-ho, you know, like late April, early May. Like I'd be out there like trying to break up the garden and I'd hit ice, you know. <laughs> or we we get plants out in in the ground and they just struggle for like a month and a half. They just like uh, trying to fight and it's cold and it's foggy and and whatever and then, you know, the bugs can get them or the diseases can get them. But then we started uh I got this advice from from your father-in-law about he would he'd wait and just get stuff in the ground when they when it can thrive. And so we started a few years ago we didn't really start planting heavily until like the end of May early June and which feels so late like we but stuff just took off like it it loved it. Yeah. And so we just we find it a good excuse just to be lazy just to wait <laughs> and get stuff in the ground that matures quickly.
1: Yeah, spring is stressful enough.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And all the mud, you know, dealing with just mud and standing water and stuff like that out around the garden area,
1: uh, it's better to wait. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, this is the time of the season, too, when all the animals start breaking out of fences. And yeah. <laughs> all of the fences start, you know, sagging from all the frost heaving. So its it's really just a good time to focus on as little as you can right and not have to just heap it up
0: but yeah yeah so uh <clears throat> right now we have walked over next to the uh we call the cottage it's that timber frame that we raised after we raised the other timber frame <laughs> wait what was the what was the uh, timeline for that again we raised this one in celebration of <laughs> issue three, three. And before issue three, we raised the shop frame. Mm -hmm. So this was in celebration of issue three being completed and the shop frame. This was a frame that you had bought from a a place in
1: like down in Southern Maine, Southern Maine, Uh, just off the highway. uh, John Libby. uh, They have these, uh, these summer display frames that they build, you know, a simple design and they set them out on the highway so people can see them and um, but then at the end of the season, as I understand it, they sell the frames uh, inexpensively. So they're all grayed and weathered and stuff. Um, and I actually bought it from someone who bought it from them. So I even got a better deal on it. Nice. Um, which is a great way to get a timber frame, actually, because uh, it was quite inexpensive. But it's this really great frame. It's 18 by 24. Um, and my wife and I and our three boys, were going to move into it uh, in about a year we're going to move into it for a time which
0: we're going to talk more about in a couple minutes when we wander over to the trailer but yeah this will be your
1: your home yep so my wife is teaching piano lessons out of it right now um and we are uh mike and i were kind of working on outfitting it and finishing trim and getting the place wired and all that kind of stuff to be ready for uh for my family to move into for a time Yep. so we still have, you know, the gable ends still have blue foam <laughs> yeah. attached to the outside and, you know, still need some sheathing and stuff, but, um, but yeah, it's coming along.
0: It is. You wanna say hi to the goats.
1: Yeah, we'll say hi to my goats.
0: There's one of them now.
1: <laughs> hey, buddy. Oh, hey, you want to say hi to my wife? Huh? Hey, everybody. Okay, so this is so my wife is milking a goat right now. Can you say hi? Hi there. <laughs> uh, here, we can get some audio on the milk. <laughs> nice. It's a
0: first for the client in the barn.
1: Wow, I've never done that on the podcast before. <laughs> Do you wanna say hi? Uh okay, hi. Hi. <laughs> 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 All right, we're gonna keep going. <laughs> um So, oh, all the rest of the goats are where are they? They're inside. they're inside. Um, but yeah, so we have Nigerian dwarf goats. Uh they are super sweet. Do you want to go in or Yeah, sure. We can go in. Super sweet, small, manageable. Um and uh we have what was it like? Ten or eleven now. Um, hopefully, a few of them are pregnant. I guess time will tell. But um, <laughs> they're smelling the microphone. Hey guys. But yeah, they're very sweet. Nigerian dwarf goats are great because um, because of their size, but also they're they're so mild and um, they're beautiful because the, the coloring. Uh, you can have any sort of color come out of a out of a goat. Well, who's next? Yeah, who's next? Diana? Oh, I milked uh, Fawn and Edda this morning, I believe. I don't oh, know. I just milked Etta. No, wait. Oh, yeah. I mean Dot. I meant Dot. But you didn't milk Dina. Right? No. Okay. Dinah's waiting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, but their milk is great, too, because it's uh, very rich and uh, delicious, and um, And it's, you know, sometimes goat milk has that reputation for having that real strong flavor, but Nigerian milk is not like that. So uh, we like Nigerian dwarf goats a lot. So we'll see if we have some, some little ones come along soon.
0: Yeah. What's the gestation period for, for Nigeria? Oh,
1: uh, I think it's two, two months, three. Okay. Yeah. Two months, three months. Can't remember exactly. My wife is up on all that information. I just haul the hay. (laughs)
0: <laughs> all right.
1: Um so yeah, that is the goat arrangement. Um and over here, so we um when was this? This was in the summer. Oh yeah, it was like all, uh, last year. August yeah. or something the stupid. Best,
0: the best time imaginable to be taking down a greenhouse.
1: Yeah. Well, and it was funny cuz we started disassembling the greenhouse inside the greenhouse. Yeah in july or yeah. august and we thought hey we should take the plastic off first <laughs> like, it, was just like uh, it was really so
0: hot. hot and so when we started uh so this is this is a green what is the width of this structure
1: oh i think we said it was uh it was like 20? 20 something it's yeah, 20, 20
0: something for sure by uh it was 50 feet long we eliminated five feet so it's a 45 foot long greenhouse um these these frames are made in Canada, super solid. And you bought it from a guy up the
1: road who was selling off a few of his. Yeah, I mean, he had greens. like he was doing it commercially. So he uh, selling vegetables commercially. He had I don't know twenty or so. Yeah, and Just this massive. was the smallest one. This was the smallest one. So. um
0: we went in on a nice overcast cool morning and started taking it down and started going, wow, it's pretty warm in here. And then the sun came out <laughs> and climbed high and it was a sauna because it's a, it's a greenhouse. Yeah. Uh, so then we were like, yeah, we got to get this plastic off. Yep. Um, but that was the, what, the better part of a week to get it taken down and brought over here. Brought and,
1: over. Yeah. Um, and then. So my my chickens lived in it all winter. Um, to keep them warm and they also were fertilizing the ground Um, and then I moved them out and I moved the pigs in Um, we don't have end walls uh, assembled right now so it's more just like cover Um, so I have two Mangalitza heritage pigs uh, and they are in here Sep and Lonnie Sep and (laughs) Lonnie hey guys (laughs) say hi um and we got these guys last year, um, and we're raising them for meat, but they're also doing a lot of tilling for us. Um, and so because they're this, this heritage breed, um, the conventional breeds that people raise, you know, it's like six months, seven months to, to harvest. Um, but these guys, it's a lot longer. So um, we'll be harvesting them in fall. So they're, we moved them into the greenhouse now, um, and they are tilling up all all the chicken Uh, feathers and grain and poop and everything uh getting it ready for us to be able to to plant in here so um yeah they're really great they're really sweet they're actually mangalitsas i as i understand i could be mistaken but i think they're the only uh breed that still has curly hair Um, and these are swallow belly pigs so they're black coloring with um kind of creamish white uh, underbellies That's the scratching sound. (laughs) They're really itchy. Yeah. Pigs are really itchy. I don't know what the deal is. They just
0: love some cool mud to roll around in. Yep. Sort of their thing. But they do an amazing job of just, you know, I would say just wrecking an area. Uh, (laughs) They get into a a patch here, and they just, like, they turn the soil down to it. Like, it's got to be, like, a foot down over there that they're turning it down to. Um, the ultimate in,
1: in rototilling right yeah. here. Well, so the interesting thing is this is our first time doing pigs. And we've had goats for a while and chickens and everything. And every breed, you know, is designed to do this one thing really yeah. well. They they're, they do a thing so good. Yeah. And so when you start with a new breed, you're like, well, now what's yeah, what's, what's this, the secret? How does this one work?
0: This superpower of this <laughs>
1: one. And pigs are great tillers, you know. They till up the soil. That's just what they love to do. And uh, you can't stop them from doing it. Right. Um, and so that's, I was excited about that aspect of it. And so we're doing this rotational setup. So their pen is relatively small, but I'm just moving them regularly so they can keep tilling areas. Um, otherwise, what they do is they're very fastidious. So they'll designate a bathroom area and they'll just go to that one spot. But I want to spread it out. I want to use right. it as um, fertilizer. So we're, I'm doing this rotational setup but it's interesting because if you leave pigs in a place too long, they can wreck the area. They yeah. can destroy it because they do too much work. It's like leaving a rototiller on. Right. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> for days. Yeah, for days. So um, it's this interesting thing to be able to understand and harness the the tendencies of this creature and to be able to move them along at the right time keep them there long enough to do their work but then you got to get them out of there before damage starts happening yeah and it's actually it's kind of stressful it's really <laughs> like it's this delicate uh, attentive sort of balance um, but that's one of the things I love about uh, having farm animals is it's woven into my life so I'm able to kind of observe nature in a very first hand, direct way it's not just like walking past a wild creature on a trail and kind of waving or wishing I could get close, but it's like this daily interaction with how do these creatures work and how can I take care of them and, and, uh, keep them happy. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a blast. And why do they itch so much? Why are they so itchy? (laughs) (laughs) It might be the flies. The flies. flies. Oh Oh, oh, yeah. The black flies. Yeah. The
0: black flies are over here too yep they're not too bad in here they're they're worse in the woods yep so
1: so yeah over here we have um this big trailer uh it's a like a almost a 40 foot 30 some foot trailer yeah um and it's a big white storage trailer and this is where i am storing my house (laughs) all right i'm gonna
0: crack it crack it open crack open the vault Okay. Hey, there's your drill.
1: Oh, that's <laughs> where it is. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, but, yes, yeah, so this is a big, huge storage trailer stacked with old lumber. Uh, and this was th- the house, the date, it could be anywhere from as early as 1790. Some believe that might be a little early. Could be as late as 1820, possibly. So, I just split the difference, you know. Eighteen hundred, 1810-ish.
0: What year was that that we took this down? That was
1: in 2015.
0: 2015. Yeah. So um, that was the first time I worked with you yep. on anything, on a project. Um, <clears throat> this house stood on the road that I live in, and uh, I found out that the clients were taking this building down, and I said, hey, I'd love to, to help you with that a little bit as, as I'm able and uh, so I would come over and, you know, Saturdays or evenings or whatever and uh, help with this project, which is just amazing. Like we're, we're looking in the trailer right now, right in front of us and extending off to the left is the main staircase, right? Yep. Of the yep. house. It came out in one piece. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, mostly one piece, right? Yep. No, it's all, it's all <clears> one piece. And then uh, to the right here is a stack of doors. Uh, Some of those are later. I don't know if...
1: Yeah, there were some Victorian renovations that happened. And, um, you know, that's just kind of the par for the course. But that was actually relegated to one corner of the house. Yeah. Uh, The reason my wife and I decided to take this one down is because it was basically left totally alone. There was never a bathroom in the house. Mm. It only had, the only plumbing it had was one faucet in the back corner, yeah. the, the renovated corner. That's it. Um, and uh, the wiring was very, very minimal. One tiny little light one mm. to each room. And so all the trim and everything uh, was just left intact. Pretty original. Um, and it was cool to see the house, the back corner of the house. You see this 18th century style construction with uh, riven lath, split lath. Um, and very coarse plaster that was applied. And even the the interior trim for that corner is in the 18th century style. But then you move into the parlors, Mm. the two front parlors, and you see these subsequent, um, you know, sort of uh, revival type or like some uh, later 1820s, 30s style trim. And uh, people at that time, you could just tell, you could see the house was being finished off incrementally. Right. That they built the frame and they did the back part of the house first. And then they started working into the parlors and you can see those sequentially. And then you go upstairs <laughs> and it, you see all this Victorian <clears throat> wallpaper everywhere and very Victorian simplistic trim put up. Not that everything Victorian was simplistic, but I'm saying you can date, you see all these machine um, planar marks on the trim and stuff. And uh, see, it's just cool to see how that's happened. Hopefully, it won't take me, you know, fifty, sixty years right. to finish the interior of my house. Yeah. Um, but the cool thing is, I have all of it. Right. So what we're planning to do is to put it back the way I found it. Essentially, um, some of the Victorian and then like the, the the kitchen early twentieth century renovations um, weren't really sound or uh, logical and right. and yep. a little strange too. So we're gonna um, be kind of almost taking those renovations and surmising what the original presentation was like yeah. and then putting our own twist on it. Um, but so yeah, I mean the plan for that is to to raise this frame in about a year, a year right. from now, um, probably a little bit later. Um, so my wife and I and our, our boys, we're gonna move into that cottage and oh i right now we, we live in a uh, manufactured home so we'll sell that off and get rid of that and raise this 1810 cape and then spend the rest of my life <laughs> that's right finishing <laughs> it <laughs> working on trim details working on trim
0: <laughs> yeah all the all the bits of trim and stuff are here they're they're wrapped together carefully they're labeled uh, you have how many photos, thousands and thousands, thousands of, of photos of it and um, diagrams you know, documented the labeled. whole process of
1: taking it apart over there next to us are all the bricks from the, the chimney. Yep, it had a massive central <clears throat> chimney, um, and then down in the cellar there was um, the, a big double arch mm. that supported it. That was it. awesome, and, and yeah, so and a lot beautiful. of uh, root cellar storage in there. Um, so we and pro-
0: apparently one of the neighbors said that the legend was that there's a buried brick of gold <laughs> somewhere in the basement. Which yeah. I never found. I never or, saw it. I'm not telling you if I did.
1: <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, and there are ghosts there and all sorts yeah, of things too. Apparently, there were. Um, so yeah, we're really excited to do this project. Um, as you get the sense so far, mm. we got a lot of stuff going on here. Yeah, um, it's not just putting out the magazine twice a year and you know the occasional video or book. Uh, that we got a lot of stuff going on. Um, so this is great we're, we're excited to be able to share about the house project yeah um, and to be able to show this construction because the stuff we've been doing we've been inspired by historic methods and using them but this is historic preservation this is actual period craftsmanship being put back together yeah um, in a sensitive and mindful way yep so
0: <clears throat> yeah and we are we're genuinely excited about uh, the the content that that this project will offer, uh, for the magazine, um, for, you know, other things to be published in the future, yep. uh, for our readers to just see all this go together and go up and, uh, just see how beautiful all this is. You know, I'm looking right there is the five-sided ridge, right? Hand-hewn, uh, ridge for this building. And yep. just all of this was done by hand and to see it, like we're we're talking about starting to pull things out of here and get um, figure out what needs what timbers need restored what timbers like, there are a few things that will need um, uh, will need to hew new timbers sill right. members I think yeah um, and some other things maybe
1: yeah a few posts were compromised
0: but um, we're going to start to pull that stuff out and uh, stage it out and take a look and uh, make a, a detailed
1: plan for next year because that's going to be a big project the the thing i heard something actually just yesterday i don't even remember what it was now but i was listening to something and the speaker whoever it was said he asked what's more rare an 18th century house or a moon rock oh yeah 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 yeah. and uh the answer is of course an 18th century house yeah because you can't you can get moon rocks yeah over, it just and, takes over and over a little bit of effort yeah i mean they are there i don't have them but yeah. they are there but an 18th century house
0: yeah you can't there's a fixed number we can't and go get, get more, more of those there. in the future
1: right. um and so this cultural preservation uh perspective is super important you know just to understand that um our ancestors built these things and they're not just something we can you know kind of forget about now and then Go get some later if we care. Yeah. It's it's our role uh-huh. to preserve them if we're going to have them around. Okay,
0: we've got to care now. Yep. Because they are going, like, this place was
1: probably going to be torn down. Yep. Um, the, because they wanted to sell the land. Yeah, the real estate listing uh, was, described it as a lot with, I forgot if it said it was an unrestorable house, but the major selling points of the lot in the listing were that it had driveway and septic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, the thing was going to be bulldozed and it was just a tragedy. Um, so, um, my wife and I said, you know, we have to swoop in. That was, it was like the special house that everybody in Ellsworth said, oh yeah, the old Jordan house, you know, it's so great. And I hope somebody moves into that. And it's, you know, it was, the writing was on the wall. This thing was going to be destroyed. Not because the family wanted that. They didn't. They had it uh, listed for years, but you know how that goes. I mean, it's you have to have people who are crazy enough to to right. take on this kind yeah. of, or, or naive enough to to take on a or project a combination like combination of both. I think is, yeah, we'll is see. Um, yeah, I guess we'll find out.
0: Yeah, after uh, year three of living in your cottage over there.
1: <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean, this is also for us uh, because my wife and I homeschool. This is part of our homeschooling. This is one of the things that we said we wanted to do was either build from scratch or restore an old house with our kids. Um, so it's all kind of interconnected, and, you know, our reasons for doing this project. Um, but we hope it's useful to not only our boys, but also it's useful to, to you readers um, that uh, what we want to do with this house is not just restore it as it was, like as if we're some museum, right. but we want to figure out how can people in the 21st century... Uh, restore cultural heritage in a way that works for today. Um, We're going to have it insulated and we're going to, you know, do all the electricity that uh, so we can have the modern uh, conveniences. So thinking about all that stuff, I think is a a big part of what we're trying to do, trying Mm -hmm. to share with, with our readers. So, yeah. So stay tuned for that story. Yeah. Um, Do you want to close the trailer? Uh, Stay tuned for that. It's going to be a, a, big journey um we're actually you know, working ahead uh with the magazine getting things ready this year because we're trying to block out much of next year to be able to just focus on this house so, so right. that i'm not in the college
0: a little, little tricky
1: yeah so we're trying to work ahead we're trying to figure out and map out the, the schedule for next year so we can we can do that so you will see a lot about the house and all of that construction uh, soon Um, but wrapping this podcast up, uh, we're jumping onto my commute trail. Yeah. This is,
0: this is your Roy Underhill style path through the woods (laughs) uh, to stroll over to the Woodwright shop, you know, and we just walked by and, you know, petted the goats and, and you know, you can wave to the folks with the fender bender right in town there and, (laughs) uh, across the little stream and up the hill and there's the, there's the shop.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and every t- every morning I walk up and I see Mike's car and he always beats me to work. <laughs> Not even th- today, though. Even though he drives half an hour and I walk three minutes. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a blessing to be able to work here and mm. to have Mike here. And uh, Grace has been working from her house uh, shipping, but uh, she stops in. I think she's going to stop she's in today. She's today, yep. Yep. So we'll see her. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of the the audio tour, yeah, uh, of the M and T zoo, <laughs> <laughs> I guess you would call it. Um, and so, yeah, if you have any questions about the full spectrum of anything, <laughs> <laughs> we'll
0: have to listen to this to remember what we just talked about. Yeah,
1: items mentioned in this podcast. Yeah, like oh mm. boy, that's gonna um, be a
0: tricky one to yeah lay out.
1: Yeah, but the best place to leave comments is to jump on our blog where we've posted this, this podcast episode, and you can ask questions there. Uh, we really love hearing feedback, um, other observations. We um, do, Yep. Outhouse recommendations. Yeah. Whatever. So uh, thanks for listening. We always appreciate uh, your support. See you next time.